Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Today's podcast is called The Language of Your Soul, Your Clairs, The Four Ways Your Clairs Communicate Through You. So today's podcast isn't a, a how-to or anything like that. I just feel like since it's still early in this podcast, I want to sort of set this foundation. And the foundation to your intuition is your ability to understand your clairs, right? So you've we've all heard the term clairvoyant, um, which means clear seeing. But there's also clairaudience, which is clear hearing, clairsentient, which is clear feeling, and claircognizance, which is clear knowing. Um, understanding our clairs is one of the most difficult things, um, not to understand, but to sort of grasp at, right? This is a, an energetic side of us. And, um, when you were born highly psychic, which, you know, everyone has all the clairs and like a healthy psychic has all of the clairs functioning, yet one of them is always stronger than the rest of them. So for example, I could hear really well, but um, until I really understood, I was hearing all like spirits sound like my thinking voice inside of my head. So it did take time. It did take controlled interaction uh, for me to really understand that the voice that I heard was actually not only outside of me, which I had to practice my clairsentient, meaning I had to sort of scan out and realize that there, there was something outside of me standing there or there. Um, and then let's just say if it was a spirit, I would have to use my clairvoyance to actually bring in evidential information. Um, <laughs> excuse me, evidential information to know, um, what I was dealing with. So, um, we're going to talk about the different clairs and I, I do want to, you know, I, I understand that this can be very confusing and sometimes downright frustrating, but, um, once you sort of get into the rhythm of speaking this language of the clairs and sort of slowing things down and like if I'm sitting with my um, children and we're watching TV and somebody says, well, I just had a feeling I say out loud, that's his clairsentience. Or if they're like, well, I just had this vision and this is what I saw. I'll say out loud to my kids, that's their clairvoyance. They're using their clairvoyance to see the future or uh, whatever, um, whatever thing they're seeing in their mind. That's their clairvoyance working. And some of my colleagues really, um, I can't say that I wasn't also seduced by this. Like I wasted a lot of years trying to know the scientific reason behind intuition and Claire's and, you know, your pineal gland and all this stuff. And, um, I had to really with the encouragement of my guides to just drop all the scientific stuff that can just stop you from using your intuition, let that go to somebody else who really specializes in that. And I would be the one who like shows you where the remote is. And my work is about here's the remote. Here's how you get to what you need to get to. Here's how you get to the programs you want to see. And here's how you, um, record the stuff you want to see in the future. I care about the animation of who you are, not the scientific reason why you are that way. So some of my colleagues really love Joe Dispenza's work. Um, he, I think really studies like the pineal gland and he does a lot of like neural mapping and, um, his work would be who I would encourage you to go to if you still need some sort of scientific reason or evidence that you are psychic at all. Um, and I encourage that, like, why not have more information? But if you take that information and that gets you stuck for the next two years, I would just encourage you not to go down that journey and just, um, you know, like we'll talk about today, we're going to talk about the Claire's and, um, as always, I, I'm going to try to keep this podcast short. 
I know I'm long-winded and I get really excited about talking about this stuff, but um, I just want to, uh, you know, invite you to the conversation. Even if you know what the clairs are, maybe we'll talk about some stuff that you hadn't thought of before. And certainly if you're not able to access all of your clairs when you want to, um, maybe this conversation will be fun for you too. So let me just say that um, I read books and I studied intuition for probably... 15 years, right? So when I was little tiny, of course we were raised Catholic, but, um, I was insatiable reading all kinds of spiritual texts. Um, anything, anyone and anything I would try to read. I have a vivid memory of being nine years old and we were out in the country and my neighbors across the street were Jehovah witness. And so I must've struck up a conversation with the mother cause she gave me this like little kid, um, little kid Jehovah witness book. And it was like a coloring book maybe. And I came home and I put it under my pillow at night. And when my mom came in to give me a kiss goodnight, she found the book and yelled at me. (laughs) So I, since I was very young, I would try to study spirituality and different religions, sort of trying to find this kind of intention of trying to find myself within the context of that spiritual practice. And, um, the older I got, I think another friend's parent introduced me to like psychic stuff and she must've handed me a book or something. So that's the first time I was like exposed to the word psychic and sort of exposed to this like concept of supernatural powers. Um, what I would say to you now, what I would say to myself Um, as a young person thinking of it as supernatural powers, I would recontext that to the truth. Your clairs, your intuition is as natural to you as your arm, as your hair, as your eyelids. Um, it is not supernatural. It's extremely natural. It's not different. It's the same. Okay. And it could be perhaps even more, um, who you are and what you are, because it is the language of your soul, which is far more you than your arm or your eyelid or your hair. (laughs) So it's kind of the language of you. It's the language of your soul, of your spirit. It is the way that we connect to heaven only through the clairs, right? Like if you have a loved one on the other side, they're not talking to your brain and they're not talking to your eyes. They're talking to your clairvoyance or your clairaudience. It's your spiritual language that accesses um, multidimensional information and or long distance stuff, right? So if I'm thinking about a friend and then she texts me, well, I was picking up her thinking of me telepathically. So that wasn't through my brain, but it was through the energy that we understand all things through the brain, certainly. Um, which is also sort of not true, but I don't want to make this very complex. Um, Um, so again, like if my kids are at school and I'm feeling them and I'm trying to make sure they're okay, that's an energetic exchange. I can't think my way to that information, (laughs) excuse me. Um, so, and, and I think it's Carolyn Mace that is notorious for saying you can't think your way to the soul, right? So when we're doing soul work and we're really trying to be honest, we have to get into a state of surrender, um, one of the obstacles highly psychic, highly psychically born people get into is that most of us are also extremely intelligent. And so what I love about an intelligent psychic is we are the ones that don't settle for like abstract guidance or abstract readings like, oh, I see a blue balloon or I see a purple car, like who cares? What does that mean? So the highly intelligent born, um, sensitive, we are the ones that sort of want more information. Um, you can't just give us symbolic stuff. That's not good enough for us. We want to know what the hell it means before we want to offer it to our clients. Um, the problem with being highly intelligent is that you try to rationalize and you do try to sort of get in your own way because thinking is an active, um, Thinking is active or surrender is passive, which is often through, um, we access our clairs often through the, um, surrender. Um, so it's, it's hard to be both active and then surrender. And so, 
understanding the language of your clairs is learning how to do this dance of asking questions through your intellect, through your brain, but also surrendering to receive the answer. Does that make sense? So, um, as I was saying, I studied and studied for decades probably, but, um, I would read books on clairvoyance and I would do little exercises and sort of try to see the apple in my mind's eye. And, um, just, it just felt really stupid and like I was never progressing and it, I just had a really bad attitude around it. And so it did take me getting into mentorship, um, where there was a skilled psychic medium and she put me in her group where I was able to read for strangers and sort of overcome my own terror of being vulnerable and putting myself in a situation where I could say what I was getting, which again was shamed out of me for the first part of my life. So after group, I would respectfully walk up to her and ask her questions like, well, how did I know that spirit was standing there? Well, how did, how was I able to see the hair color, hair color of her hair color of her loved one? Like I wasn't super aware that the, that the spirit was standing there even sometimes. And she would just be very patient with me and explain how I was using my Claire's. And it was that her patience and her in sort of almost the real time being able to just explain me to myself. That's what I would always say to her. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what did I just do? Explain me to myself. And she would, she would patiently explain how I was using my Claire's, which again, it's hard to understand how you use something you've always used. Right. And then if we think like, I remember her saying, you're very clairvoyant. And I was like, oh, I can't see anything. You know, if I had go to draw a picture or something, I could barely see the image in my mind then. <laughs> Excuse me. So I had to sort of work with and really, I always call it when I talk to my students, I say, slow it down, meaning you know, do what you do, but try to be more aware of what you're doing and where is it coming from and what does it look like? And, um, often what we're doing is overcoming the shame and we're giving ourselves permission to actually see what we see and, um, know that, you know, we'll sort of put a period at the end of the energy after it all. So we're not just bringing up all kinds of things to not deal with, but to deal with it if we have to. So I don't want to get too abstract, but, um, I just, you know, we're going to talk about the Claire's and it, it can be confusing and that's okay. Um, there is another side to it where when the Claire's are acting fully and again, I can hear really well. So if I have a client and they've come to me for a medium session, well, all of their loved ones on the other side are standing in my reading room and I have a sense of lots of people and they're all talking and some of them have their arms around each other. And, um, to bring in the evidence, I have to not only ask them to calm down, but to also separate. And then I have to ask them here, I, I can sense you, but show me what color hair you had. Show me what color your eyes are. Show me the clothes that you wore. Um, and I have to just really slow down my clairvoyance to look at them so I can bring in that evidence. So in the early part of my career, I would just hear, I would hear them and I give messages and maybe I'm looking at, um, their dad that had black hair, but I'm hearing something more that their sister would say. So I was all sorts of confused. <laughs> so anyway, my point is I did not think I was clairvoyant. I I'm highly clairvoyant. I just didn't understand it in the way I needed to healthfully understand it. So, um, you know, I, most of my students say that to me too. Oh, I'm not this, or I'm not that. And here they're not only that, but they're incredibly skilled at it. So if you're telling yourself those things like, Oh no, she said clairvoyance and I just don't ever see anything. I, I run up front include you in this conversation. I want to un upfront, um, have compassion, have encourage you to have compassion for yourself that it just might not be something you're even aware of. That doesn't mean it's not there. Okay. Okay. We're going to go over the four main Claire's and yes, uh, I realize that there are more, um, uh, for example, there's one called Claire Hom Hombriance. I don't know. It's a German word. And it means clear smelling. Um, 
And so it's kind of like when I have an aunt that has a certain smell and whenever I smell her perfume, I know she's thinking about me. I know she's sending her energy towards me. Um, you know, my grandmother's property smelled like Russian olives. And so I can connect to my past instantly through that Claire and it, it can mean a lot. It can mean nothing other than I'm just remembering. So that's not super important. Although, you know, it comes up for some people where when I was pregnant and in mentorship, um, I was eating a ton of citrus, like lots of lemons, lots of oranges. And at one of my readings, I remember my mentor said, I smell oranges. <laughs> Even that wasn't random. She was absolutely picking up something I was actively doing at the time. So that was really cool. But I'm not going to talk about that any more than we just did because people don't um, aren't burdened by that Claire <laughs> smelling, clear smelling. Okay. Um, let's talk briefly about clairvoyance. This is probably the most Hollywood of all of our Claire's and abilities. And to me, it's when you're a born psychic, it's one of the Claire's we try to shut down the most. None of us want to be the sixth scent, the sixth sense kid. We don't want to be that kid. So when we're really little, we, you know, when I was really little, I saw spirits everywhere too. And then I would get in trouble for saying something, or if I talked about my imaginary friend too much, I would learn the adults did not like to hear that. So I would just sort of keep that to myself. And then with time, I you know, start to do this sort of prayer, like get away from me, don't talk to me, stop it. You know, we kind of do this and then we just learn to ignore them. And so we, we, even if we're experiencing clairvoyance, we just try to shut it down so hard, um, when we're little. So, um, Clairvoyance is what we use to see other dimensions. So yes, a lower dimension, the ghost realm. And yes, um, higher vibrations, higher dimensions, you know, let's just say the heaven realm for simplicity. Our loved ones pass away. They cross over to the light. They go into a higher vibration and we can see them too. I won't get into a huge um, lesson on how to know the difference between the two. And <laughs> I'm going to try hard to not teach, but I'd rather give you this information and sort of leave it at that in this particular podcast. My instinct is to teach, um, but that makes me long winded. So I'm just going to try really hard to give you this information and fill out the picture as much as I can. So you relate to what I'm talking about. That's the whole point of this is so you can find yourself within the information here. Um, clairvoyance is also what we do when we predict future stuff or we sort of envision the future. So let's just say when I was 15 years old, my friend handed me, um, a tape cassette, <laughs> a tape cassette of this band out of New York city. And when I saw the lead singer, I just knew, so knowing is clear cognizance, but I just knew I would one day meet that lead singer. And five years later, um, well, let's just say, so I had that knowing Claire, that's Claire cognizant. I just knew I would meet that lead singer. And, um, so I would have visions and visions of visions of me being in New York. I had visions of what shirt I would be wearing when I met him. Um, and so for like five years, I was seeing what my hair looked like, like, let's just say at the time my hair was curly, but I kept seeing myself in New York with this black shirt on and my hair was straight. Um, so five years later I moved to New York city. I met him within like two days of being in New York city. And I had on the exact black shirt that I saw in my mind and my hair was straight. So that is all. It's, um, kind of this, again, you could study it. It's the pineal gland and whatever. Um, but let's just say, so all things that we imagine, all things that we see come through the clairvoyance and, um, clairvoyance is when you can see the past, you know, like, let's just say for my grandma, my grandma was a good storyteller as well as was my other side. My grandpa on the other side of the family was an incredible storyteller as well probably why I love storytelling. So, um, she would tell stories 
And, you know, you, as they're telling stories, as I'm talking to you now, you're seeing things in your mind, whether you're aware of it or not, it feels like a daydream, but you're, if I take you to the past and I talk to you about like 1980, you know, you guys are seeing maybe our hairstyle, maybe seeing our clothes, maybe. So that is where your clairvoyance resides. It is everything that you see. And it goes on all timelines. It takes you to the past. It takes you to the future. It can take you to what do you want to eat tomorrow? And if you get a vision of that, you're kind of like, that's what I'm going to do. If you ask, what should I eat for tomorrow? And you don't see a vision, you kind of feel like you don't know what you're going to eat. So, um, the vision part of us, our clairvoyance makes things much more real, right? So if I'm in a session with a client and I, now I start my sessions demanding that their family show me themselves because I used to not do that. <laughs> like I said, I'd be seeing one kind of, but I'd be hearing another one. And I just, it was very confusing for me. And of course it would be sometimes my client or my clients are so generous. They're trying to help me understand what I'm saying, but I try to just upfront now say, you know, Hey, I need to see what you look like because I need some evidence of who I'm talking to. Um, so right when, when somebody says I'm not clairvoyant, you know, we're all visioning stuff. If you read anything on like the Roman empire, if you think about Egypt, very, very textural images come to your mind, whether you're trying to or not, it does. So this is the place where you, again, you can see other dimensions. You can be on different timelines. Um, you know, when I say timelines, that means you're reading the past. You, you're, you know, we're here in the present, but you could, some people are constant futurists. They're constantly in a future timeline, which I've talked about in other podcasts can create anxiety because sometimes what's the difference between a prediction and, or just a fear image, right? In my, um, I think it was the 16th um, podcast um, when I talked about psychic kids, you know, with what's going on today with COVID, they're, they're remote viewing, they're visioning the hospital beds, but they're perhaps putting your face or their face in that future image, um, which is very terrifying. So if we can understand this part of ourselves, it is very active in you. It is not different. If I say here, do this clairvoyant, clairvoyant, um, clairvoyant exercise, it feels really weird and unnatural, but the problem is, is that people don't context it correctly. Just do what you've always done. <laughs> it is that simple. So I encourage people that aren't in, that are really clairaudient, very clairsentient to slow things down with their clairvoyance. It's much more textural. It's much more like, okay, I see the black hair. Oh, okay. I see the blue eyes and they're wearing a scarf. Like that slows it down and it makes it much more real, um, much more evidential. So that's a fun thing about intuition because those things can, can tend to be um, validated. If like I, you know, growing up in Montana, there's a lot of ghost towns in Montana and there's a lot of freaky stuff. Like there's this place called Virginia city, and, um, down by Yellowstone, I think. And I remember being a kid there and there was just ghosts and guns and like, you know, all that sort of old mining town crap. <laughs> I was just overcome with the visions of it all. And it was really, really hard being in the right timeline on that trip. So I did not enjoy that at all. Cause I was a little kid and I didn't know how to sort of get into the modern timeline. Cause all I saw was, um, it was like the memory of the past, but it was happening now. So it was very confusing. Um, anyway, so let's go to the second one. The second one's called clear audience, clear hearing. Let me, let me make one quick note before we go into clear audience. Um, another form of clairvoyance is I've talked about it before, but it's called remote viewing. So this is also something that we do all the time, very naturally. Um, so let's just say if I'm in group, um, one of our clairvoyant exercises would be for somebody to have like, um, one of the gals in the group has a childhood home 
that the property is so it's ingrained in her. She has the energy of the property in her, but her mom, her mom and dad still live there. And so it's really like her space. So one of the exercises I'll be, um, would be that I take, I just ask them to quote unquote, read her, (laughs) excuse me, I'm sorry about that, would be to read her that property. And so they read it through remote viewing, right? We're not going there. We're not driving there. We're sitting in, um, we're sitting in group together from here. They take their consciousness and they remote view what they see and they see images. And then I have her validate what they see. So maybe somebody sees like a red, uh, Volkswagen outside. Maybe somebody sees like a white fence. Maybe see somebody sees like wood floors or green carpet. Um, these things can not only be validated, Um, sometimes you'll find that somebody is constantly reading the house in the past. So maybe that red Volkswagen was like from 1970. And so if somebody's super literal, they'll be like, no, there's no red car. There's no nothing. Um, so we sort of have to be aware that when somebody remote views something, they could constantly be in a past timeline, which is doesn't, which does not make them wrong. Right. It's kind of incredible actually. So as exercises, I have people read, um, you know, what did your mom look like? What did your mom look like? What, you know, what did she look like when she was young? What did she look like, um, crossed over, you know, say some visual things. Let's remote view this place over there. Um, there are some psychics that do specialize in like kidnapping or murders and things like that, which I think is just an incredible gift. If a psychic is willing to, um, offer that to help, I just think is incredible. Um, cause every time they remote view, they're getting into that energy. So I want to give a shout out to my fellow psychics that do that work. Cause that is not easy. Um, so like, I, you know, not to go off on a long thing, but you can see where we remote view, um, we can remote view different things. And sometimes people can't stop remote viewing scary, ugly things. And so that would be something I would encourage them to get a hold of their remote viewing so that they can stop looking at things that maybe aren't their business or isn't their problem. And maybe even just mentally damaging if they keep remote viewing something that maybe happened earlier or that is not relevant to them. Again, I don't want to teach and sometimes I just can't help myself. (laughs) So we can see the past, the present, and the future through our clairvoyance, but we can also remote view right here, right now. And when we're looking at other locations and things that is going through our remote viewing through our clairvoyance. So let's get back to Claire audience. Uh, so again, this is where I can hear messages, um, from the other side through my Claire audience. And this is absolutely one of the most frustrating Claire's to get a grip on because at the beginning, it just sounds like your thinking voice. So nobody trained me in my Claire audience. I just, when I really just was determined to understand myself and understand my Claire's, I would sit my butt down at two o'clock every day. I'd put my two year old to bed. I was pregnant. So sitting down and meditating every day, (laughs) I'm a kind of a hyper person. So sitting down and just deciding I'm going to connect with my guides and deciding I'm going to meditate every single day was the only way I could kind of get a grip on my clear audience. And I would sort of do this little, um, you know, I'd pull some spirit cards, I'd do a meditation. And then after the meditation, um, for like five minutes after that, I was willing to listen and look for however my guides wanted to interact with me, which was super scary. I admit it, but that's just what needed to happen at the time. And I heard, um, I heard my birth guide say her name and I did see her stand before me. And I kind of just took a note of that. I journaled that what I saw and what I heard afterwards. And then like with time, I realized her voice had a different tone to it. And so with time and practice and doing this thing every single day, I was willing to like hear what she was saying to me. I'd journal what she said and I would start to hear her voice. And then let's just say maybe six months later, I would, there was this event down in Denver and I was really trying to connect and find my people at the time. I I assumed I had to find my people, you know, that saying, right? So 
there was a speaker down in Denver, this big psychic. And I uh, asked my guides, how is it? I think I told you guys this story before, but for those of you that haven't heard it. So I asked my guides, how is this event going to go? And I very clearly heard them say, you're coming home. And I assumed that that was like metaphorical. I'm, you know, I'm going to meet my people. I'm coming home. So I kind of teared up, drove down to Denver. I got into the building. I was struck with such panic attack. I got up, got into the vehicle and started driving home. And I kind of yelled at my guides and I'm like, what, why in the hell, you know, what is going on? And then I remembered, they told me I'm coming home. (laughs) So Uh, They meant it quite literally. So it just took me more time to get tones um, because the tone can actually mean everything. Like spirit guides are people. And so some of them communicate through sarcasm. Some of them can get sassy like any other person can be. Some of them, like my guide, are very serious. So when she talks to me, she means what she says. Where if I don't know the tone of the message, you know, sometimes people, their loved ones on the other side can be very chit-chatty and funny and silly. And if I don't get that tone, I don't get the message right. Okay? So I, again, this is this one is the hardest to sort of get your hands into and get your you know, understanding around because it took me active practice to slow down what I heard to identify, you know, if I hear, if I walk into a room and a ghost just talks to me, well, you know, at the beginning, that would just sound like, like if I heard a ghost walk up to me and say, hi, I'm Bob, which they have. I think I'm just thinking, hi, I'm Bob. I think that's my own damn thought. (laughs) So again, it just, I had it real, you know, understand what was happening and then use my other Claire's just to start to fill out the bigger picture of reality with that Claire, with my Claire audience. So Claire audience, this is where we can hear messages from our loved ones. Like why would we bother learning about our Claire audience and learning to slow it down so we can enjoy it? Like I said, you can talk to your loved ones on the other side and get messages. It is how I talk to my guide daily and when I am particularly scared, my fear voice is still the loudest voice in the room. And so because I have a relationship with my birth guide, um, I'll say to her, you know, say it to me again and again and again, and I can hear her give me the message again. And then sometimes if my fear voice is far too loud, I will, you know, look her in the eye and make her shake her head. Yes or no. So again, in good situations, we get messages and we get reassurance and we get guidance. But what about those moments when we're afraid or there's danger? When we have a relationship with this aspect of ourselves, with this Claire audience, um, we can get help in those really scary moments, right? When my son was hospitalized when he was three years old, I was using my Claire audience in every second because I was so scared out of my mind. I needed to talk to the spirit world. I, I don't have... Um, parents. I don't have people to encourage me to, um, hold me when those times get scary. So my, all of my support, yes, I have girlfriends, but, um, I have wonderful girlfriends now, but that, that particular point in time, I didn't necessarily have, um, the friendships that I do today. So it was my spiritual family. It was my spiritual, um, communication that I was able to be encouraged and guided through that very scary time. So we can talk to our spirit guides. We can talk to the loved ones on the other side. Um, you know, and those are the big ones, right? Talking to your guide, talking to loved ones on the other side. Um, pretty, pretty big deal. Don't you think? (laughs) I know I, I am so thankful every day that I not only have this Claire, but I was able to learn how to interact with it because I use it all day, every day. So that's Claire audience. The next one is called Claire sentience, which means clear feeling. Um, this one, um, when you don't know how Claire sentient you are, you can feel so out of control. Okay. Like the epitome of this Claire is, I always, when I do public lectures, this is what I say. So you go to a party 
and you're feeling just fine, right? You're kind of out of your element and you're kind of nervous. And if you're like me, you're shy. So you have to deal with that. Um, but let's just say now somebody has walked into the room, but you don't know that. Let's just say you're feeling really good. And then all of a sudden you feel really ugly or really stupid or really something like you don't feel okay. Maybe sometimes you just like straight up start panicking. Um, and this is what I would say is, well, what probably happened is somebody just walked into the room that has the energy that you are now thinking is you. Okay. I tell this famously, I famously tell this story. I'm at a family reunion and I'm feeling okay. I know everybody in the room and you know, whatever I'm feeling like myself. Okay. Now all of a sudden, like some new gal did walk into the room and I didn't know her. And so I had to like move away and sit kind of on the floor away from her. And I felt really uncomfortable for the 30 minutes that she was there. And so when she left the room, I noticed I felt like normal and back to myself. So I felt like she walked in the room with just a ton of entities and she had a really yucky feeling. And so I asked some questions and yeah, she was actually a truck driver. And from a medium point of view, when you're a truck driver, you just like go across the nation collecting entities, <laughs> you know, collecting ghosts or whatever. So, um, again, like I was fine. And then for 30 minutes when she was in my presence, I was just so not okay. It was not even funny. Um, so that was my clairsentience, my feeling. And I had a lifetime of kind of getting to a new place, feeling kind of okay. And then not knowing it, but somebody walked into my space or they walked into the room and then I would sort of take on whatever energy they had. Right. So I was sort of aware that like, I felt fine. And then all of a sudden I'd feel ugly. Um, and it took me like well over 20 years to sort of understand what was happening to me at that point. So it's like clairsentient, like the reason this is such a beautiful gift is that my loved ones don't need to tell me how they feel. I can feel it. So like as one of our gifts, as one of our survival instincts, um, we are able to sense into through our clairsentience, we are able to sense into our environments. We are able to sense people's intentions. We are able to sense the truth of the moment through our clairsentience. And, um, myself, like I didn't know this about myself. So I would just kind of feel a little bit insane and I'd kind of feel a little bit, um, so, you know, I had people that would tell me you're so sensitive or like, it was such a bad thing, you know? Um, when maybe I'd be like, Oh my God, what's wrong? Are you okay? And they would like try to tell me, no, they're fine. They're cool. Right. But I could feel that they're not. And so like, this is kind of where we get into trouble with families where like, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe my kids are having a bad day. I can feel that. So I want to fix that. And well, maybe those are just feelings that they're going to have to work through. And so maybe they're annoyed. <laughs> they're never annoyed, but let's just say maybe there's a time that comes up or maybe it's a little bit annoying, you know, maybe with my husband, it's more annoying when I'm like, what's going on or what's wrong? Or maybe when he's clairsentient and me, or I don't maybe want to talk about it. Cause maybe it's something like, maybe I'm annoyed or pissed off and he didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. And maybe I don't want to talk about it because it's not that big of a thing. I just need to process the energy. And so when we don't have words as to what we're doing, that's where we can sort of get after each other, like kind of be, jerks to each other where they're feeling something true or you're feeling something true, but maybe you don't have the words to say what you're feeling. And then maybe you don't also owe them an explanation. So there's this kind of little cycle of hell when we're, um, detached from our clairsentience with each other. So I don't want to get into a big long lecture and I don't want to get into a big uh, teaching stuff here, but when you're really sensitive and you can pick up other people's emotions and probably their thoughts, but that's a different Claire, but maybe their emotions, this is where the good work of knowing, okay, labeling energy, that's them. This is you. And sort of through that languaging of, okay, you're feeling that, but I'm not feeling that. That's kind of how we talk to ourselves. So other people have permission to feel whatever they feel and you don't feel like a, it's you or B that you have to fix it for them. Sometimes as psychics, especially with our clairsentience, we need people to be okay around us. Otherwise we're not okay. And I admit, I still struggle with that. 
I'm still really uncomfortable with my loved ones being uncomfortable. I want to fix it, <laughs> you know, but, um, I have, I've, I've since given myself permission to not always be okay either. And I will do whatever is appropriate. If I'm processing something that is just simply not their fault or not their problem, I try to take responsibility on what I'm feeling and take care of that, do what I need to do. And some, you know, some people don't take care of what they're feeling and they project it. So there's this like stance between letting people feel what they feel, but also not letting them project it onto you. So that's sort of where that clear becomes a problem is when people project their feelings onto you and, or if they're feeling something intensely and you don't realize that that's not you, that's them. Okay. Um, so if I'm in a session with a client, I'm feeling my client. So if I'm going to say something, like if I know the guys are wanting me to say something I can feel will trigger them, I honor that. I will, I will say it to them the way I need to, to try not to trigger them, but all the while feeling that that's what could happen. Um, if, um, let's just say a, a mother, if my client's mother is crossed over, but I could feel like what she's saying wasn't how she was when she was here. I, I, I honor that. And I'll say, this feels like something new, but your mother, you know, whatever that is, your mother is encouraging you. And maybe the mom wasn't very encouraging while she was alive. So I know through my clairsentience, this feels like something new because I'm also attached to my client's energy. Isn't that fascinating? So we're, clairsentience is a true survival, Claire. It is really our, our truth. When we call ourselves human bullshit detectors, it is this part of us. It is your clairsentience that is, you cannot be bull, you can, nobody can bullshit you when you're in this Claire fully and beautifully. Isn't that cool? Okay, and finally, it's claircognizant. So that means uh, clear knowing. And this is also a really hard clear to sort of get control over or know that you're doing it when you're doing it. So this usually shows up when I hear, especially women say, um, you know, like when I need to know something, I just always invite so-and-so to do coffee. She always seems to know exactly what to say. And that that's happened between like a, a circle of friends of mine. Um, I was, I had a client and like their girls went to school together and she sent this woman that she would always just want to do coffee with if she needed to know something. Um, she sent her my way and sure enough, she's just an incredible psychic medium and didn't really realize that. But what she does is she channels. So it's kind of like, you just always know what to say. Um, you always kind of know what the truth is when you're really balanced things, information can just come uh, to you and through you. Um, so I work hard. It took me a long time because at the beginning of my career, I was really controlling over my clairs. I wanted to know exactly who was talking to me, exactly where it was coming from. I wanted it to come slower through my clear audience. Um, I was not comfortable channeling because I had no control over myself or what came out of my mouth. So it took me probably five plus years to be comfortable enough with other people's spirit guides and with my own guide and with everybody to relax enough to just channel. We're not talking about letting something come into your body to channel through you. That is not what we're talking about. That's another podcast. And my opinion is I don't like that. It's unnecessary because you have the ability to be claircognizant, meaning you can just channel information um, outside of you. Nothing has to come inside of you. Okay. I know that sounds a little bit complex, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so when I'm comfortable with a client and I can just connect to their guide, I can just channel information. I, in fact, I'll have to say to my client, let me just say this and then we'll work backwards if you have questions. Cause that means I'm not, I'm trying to protect my client if I'm not comfortable enough channeling. So with some of mine, especially my angel clients who are very claircognizant themselves, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I will go ahead and just like channel whatever the guys are wanting me to say, and I'll just say it. And then that usually makes sense, perfect sense to them. And I feel a little bit like, is that, a, is that good? Is that, <laughs> does that make sense? And they're all, all you know, 99% of the time, like that makes total sense what you just said. So I don't have to go back and ask the guides more questions, but if I have to, then I will. And I'll use my clear audience to bring in more slower information. 
Um, so this is sort of like, <laughs> excuse me, downloading, downloading, downloading. We sort of can see something and just download the information around it. That's the Claire working at its peak performance. When we uh, get kind of caught up and confused is when we try to slow down the claircognizance, we drop it essentially. So if I'm mentally trying to get in the way of guidance, I will drop the claircognizance to pick up clairaudience, which is a slower form of information. When I am trusting and in the flow, I can use claircognizance all day and I almost have to expel no of my own personal energy to give a message. So harder to be claircognizant with my children because I'm controlling around what information comes to them because I care so much. So sometimes my care can get in the way. And if I, let's just say if they're going through something and I don't sort of know exactly what to say, I have to go talk to the guide and um, get reassured. Now people, I, I don't have that emotional... <laughs> excuse me, that emotional block with, or I can be a more beautiful vessel for them. I can be a more beautiful channel and just give them the information and let it go. So I just want to encourage you that if you're highly claircognizant, some of your resistance to your natural ability to communicate comes from your need to control. So controlling is not bad. It can just slow psychic information down. And if you don't know how to repick it up, like, um, I was working with a student and I had her reading for me. That's I've been training my students in a different way and having them using their skill on me. And I know exactly what they're doing. So in the moment I can help fine tune what they're doing and, or explain to them what they're doing because they don't know. So she was being very comfortable and very confident. She was channeling for me. And then something did come up for my kids and I watched her in real time drop the channel and go to her clairaudience. And she had no idea what she did as we do. We don't know what we're doing. So it was a beautiful moment to sort of, um, explain to her what she did. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, something is tickling my throat, of course, but it was, uh, you know, so, so she, I could language what she did. And then when she dropped it, she kind of didn't know where to go. And so I said, go ahead and go through your Claire audience. That's what you're doing anyway. So let's go there. And then when you're ready, we can just link back up to the channel where you can just channel what you were getting. Um, cause it, again, it just takes less energy from us when we're able to channel and just be comfortable and let the information flow and we don't want to control it. But you know, we're people and I have a really high protector. I'm very protective of people that I love and I'm protective around just doing a good job too. So, you know, if I drop the channel, I go to my other Claire's and if I feel comfortable again, I can link back up to that channel. And so the things we want to channel, you know, higher self, soul stuff, birth guide stuff, um, angel stuff. Sure. You know, people in the um, healing field that do more energetic healing through their hands, through touch, what have you. Um, this is channeling through their body and they, they do channel the upper realms. And so, um, I would encourage you to sort of know from where you channel from. Cause, um, like, Thankfully, I am really clairsentient. So let's just say if I have a crossed over mother and my client, and let's just say she was not a very nice mother and I feel like I want to protect her daughter from, you know, she can have her opinion still, even though she's crossed over, but her information might not be right for her daughter at this point in time, right? If her daughter's like, you know, 50, 60, she's doing her own thing. So I will not channel anything from her. I will use my Claire audience to, to deliver a message, but I will not channel from that. So the thing with Claire cognizance is we just want to be more aware of from which we are channeling. Um, and I have pretty high standards. Again, it's a guide, it's an angel, and it's perhaps if the client, some clients have like really high, powerful, higher selves and their spirit is just really talking and animating. I can go from there, but, um, Again, so this is the fastest Claire and it can feel the most unsafe because it comes in so fast and your ability to access the other Claire's, you know, like, oh, I, I, this is what I know, but I need this to slow down. So I'll use my clairvoyance or I'll use my clairaudience, like talk to me. 
talk to me through my clairaudience. Don't just keep downloading or pushing on me. Clairsentience can get annoyed if it, the information feels like a push on us. Cause sometimes it like, maybe we can't breathe. That's more clairsentience stuff. And maybe we're trying to control or slow the claircognizance if that's happening too quickly. So I realize we've gone on 50 minutes and I mean, I just, I can talk about Claire's all day long. Um, I hope this is just a wonderful jumping off point for those of you that know about Claire's, but maybe you've never thought about it in that context. Maybe some of you haven't even thought about your Claire's and this is a wonderful conversation that you've just endured, <laughs> um, that you've just been a part of to just, again, I could read about this stuff and it didn't necessarily animate within me. I couldn't sort of connect the dots. And it was only through this like organic conversation about what my clairs were doing almost in real time that I was able to start connecting these dots. And when the dots start connecting, you're able to uh, identify and then you're able to control and then you're able to do something about it and use it in wonderful full-time um, in the moment when you're scared, when, you know, when all kinds of intense emotions are coming up, when somebody is passing away, you know, one of the gifts of intuition is we can be present through all crises or all aspects of life. Our intuition can be fully there. So when you're at the precipice of death with a loved one, your intuition can connect you through that the entirety of the experience from the loved one being there to the loved one being on the other side, you're a part of the landscape through and through. There's no disconnect. Um, and then that relationship can evolve and continue even after death, if you will, um, through your intuition. So it's, if we can see ourselves as we are immortal beings and we are eternal and, um, we can access information with our clairs in our past lives, in our present day, and into the future. And I've seen evidence of this over the last, I don't know what, 13 plus years in my clients and students that when you are willing to use your clairs, it gives your loved ones on the other side opportunity to develop their clairs, even from the point of heaven. And it can continue them growing and it can continue the relationship which we miss out on if we cannot access our spiritual language, which is that of our Claire's. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> I just love this work so much. So that's it for today. Um, as always, if you're interested in knowing which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take my quiz, which Claire are you? And um, again, the point is to expand and, and use and know how to access all of our clairs, but all of us have one clair that is the strongest for sure. <laughs> so any, anyway, um, I'll talk to you next time. And in the meantime, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.